Uh, relationships are hard. Financial or social strains can tax even the most devoted couples. Coming home from the same occupation to the same dwelling day after day can compound this stress. If you or your partner are experiencing such difficulties, why not spend some dedicated time away from the hustle and bustle of the city? A week together in an authentic yurt on the windswept plains can help both you and your partner take stock of your financial uh, finances or regain your dignity. Nothing helps cleanse the soul like the howling winds and thundering of hooves. Use the promo code ROLLERS to receive free transport by caravan to and from your yurt, windswept yurts, helping couples understand what is best in life. Well, I don't know why I'm listening tonight. I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right. I'm so salty, must not give in to rage. And I'm wondering what those rollers will say. Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right. Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. Gonna roll a derby tonight. G'day and welcome to the latest edition of the Hidden City Roller Derby. I'm your host, Simkoff, and I'm here with Merlin. What up? And Glenn. Hello. We still have a Torridor that's in transit over in uh, the mighty United States of America, but I made the uh, 16 or 16 and a half hour flight back uh, the other day. Uh, Merlin made it about the same time as me. <laughs> yep. You feeling the jet lots lag, of... brother? <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. I was lucky, actually. Usually I, I don't get to sleep on the planes, but this time, because it was like an overnight flight, I did manage to get a bit of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I struggled. It was an overnight flight for me. I think I flew roughly the same time as you, but it was it was tough. My flight it was a full flight, and yeah, it's just no yeah. Way. Well, you had a role playing book to keep your company, so I guess it wasn't all bad, right? That's true. I had the latest L five R role playing book, which I purchased from the Fantasy Flight Game Center. It was it was a very very special book. That one. It's got fantastic artwork. It's laid out great. Very elegant system. Can't say enough good things about it. Glenn, mate, can you role play old champion? Is like that part of the <laughs> part of the deal? <laughs> Take the Eric Eric Valhus school, <laughs> man. How are you feeling, Glenn? You're happy to have all of your well, at least two thirds of your Australian brothers back in town. Uh, yeah, it'll be nice to uh, nice to play with you guys in real life again. Uh, I think it's like you know, you guys are having a bit of a whinge about jet lag and all these, and I'm. <laughs> I'm just sitting there being like up at like 2 a.m. watching you guys uh, watching you guys play. I'm tired too, yo. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, it was really but, cool having you guys back in back in the homeland, um, checking out the games and giving us words of encouragement. <laughs> yeah, it was actually a lot yeah, of fun um, when we were watching the finals. And you were you were on chat with us, so it was almost like we we're all there together. That was really cool. Oh yeah, just doing like play analysis and stuff. I think it's really good to just being able to engage at that level, and it's something FFG does well. Where like, because of a stream, you can, you can engage even if you're not. So it's good that you can be a part of it even if you're not there. It was a very long journey to get there. Um, both like not only the fl- flights, multiple flights, but also the the training and you know everything else that happened beforehand. Um, so thought we might shed a little light, open the curtains up, and open the kimono, as they say in the business world sometimes um and talk about how we actually well achieved our mediocre results at worlds (laughs) um we started with a you know quite a few training sessions the rollers and a few others helped us out we had uh you know big session or few sessions at merlin's had a session at uh, jk's where you know those guys made the gauntlet decks and we just ran our decks and got trashed over and over and over again and occasionally won a couple of games. What was your experience, Berlin? I think when Bert and I left, we kind of went our own way, and then you were still here for another week before you left. Yeah, that's right. And I think by the time you guys left, I hadn't really decided on what deck I was going to play. So um, at all at a lot of those training sessions, I was playing uh, a Phoenix Dragon Splash, you know, kind of a standard sort of lineup. But um, after getting utterly thrashed by Jay and Glenn, I just... 
I felt like I felt like it wasn't going to cut it. Uh, but I I think that the practice in the lead up was actually a lot of fun, and I think when you look at like my whole world's experience, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I definitely when Bert and I stayed in this place in LA, um, uh, like a we would call it a duplex. I don't know what you would call it in the United States. This little house um, that was adjoining another one, and apart from enjoying all of the 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 fantastic festivities in LA. We did a lot of training. We figured out our deck, which was the uh, Phoenix Splash version of Scorpion, consumed by Five Fives, um, which is predominantly to counter the very, very tough Dragon match, and to a lesser extent, give another out for Crane, because we found Crane to be our hardest matchup. And what was good was we both individually trained with Glenn, uh, who was playing Crane, and you just wrecked us hundreds of times, and eventually we started to come back and work out how to win the match unfortunately that was the match that um you know in my top 32 i f- faced a crane and that was how i went out <laughs> but um you know it was a well-practiced matchup at least did you see us learning or could you feel we were getting better or did you just start playing gentler and let us have some wins <laughs> to <build up> some confidence <laughs> yeah i definitely think it was more you guys started changing your lines of play and i think the big thing was realizing that against Crane, that potentially playing passively can can result in you getting a bit more blown out because yeah. it allows the Crane player to uh, assemble their own board while having the cancel for the five fires. Um, yeah, I, I think it was really good just have that two weeks of just jamming a whole heap of games. Um, at least for me, certainly made me fall in love with the game again um i thought the game the game the game is just fun to play now i don't know maybe that's what you guys have always experienced but for me for a little while it felt like a bit of a tr- um and the gratification came more from winning than playing but i think it's the opposite now i definitely was in the to play. doldrums for a little while um hence my very salty fun 5r idea <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah but i tell you getting um getting to experience the new roles as well um that's been and we'll discuss this a little bit later but you know the game was very very healthy when we played on day 1a and 1b and, and the finals and if you look at what made the finals it was all sorts of crazy decks it was like really varied field and like two support ofs like people playing support of scorp support of phoenix made it to like top 64 one of them may have made top 32 i'm not sure but I think crazy. Lion, I thought the lion player made top sixteen. With yeah, the support. yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like that's so had... insane. It's awesome. It's like it's just. It, I think the, um, the meta is not as solved as everyone thought it was. Yeah. And that if you are confident and you've you've played your decker a whole heap of times, you can bring a deck that no one else is really expecting and do really well with it. Well, I mean. Uh, if we look at like Eric, I think that what was abundantly clear to me was not just about um, the meta in quotes, but also the skill gap in this game, and you know the the role of incredible skill. Um, and I think that you know when we saw Eric take on Kingsley in the top four, it was uh, you know Eric's playing Crane, and Kingsley is a you know well noted dragon player who who was up there as top dragon last worlds um you know that was a game where there was a slightly uh off choice for for the crane player like Balhus. Balhus. i'm probably getting that pronunciation wrong but eric chose um miramoto's fury as his splash and seeing him like crane you know we talked about this before worlds you know um amongst the rollers we may mention on the podcast that you know, Crane's toughest matchup. Like, how do they beat Dragon? They felt really good against everyone else. Mm, um, yeah. You know, I thought that was I thought that was a really good answer to that question. Was like, you just bow them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Got no skill if you bow them, right? What What are they like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fury was great. Um, I think it shows it shows that the card that card has a place in the meta still. I think. But people said it's not as good anymore and just that kind of snowballed but really it still was very 
good. <laughs> it just, it just people felt like it didn't other particular picks. Yeah, um, I think it's just also, awesome. Yeah. It's just awesome to see that that there. I also thought it was really cool that that crane that Eric stayed with Kitanas and fans, and just like showing the power of just, just like a just a stat pump for zero fate. Like just the, just how consistent because you can try and throw in these really cool tech cards um but then you just realize at the end of the day for zero is actually just really solid yeah yeah for sure you know a but... couple of people were saying that they thought uh fury might come off the restricted list now um what do you guys think <laughs> well, i what's, think it was the decider card right um i don't know you would you would slow it down the meta mm. down again like that's why i actually want to see it still on the restricted list but not for balance reasons but actually to increase the pace of the game i think that when miramoto's fury becomes unrestricted and you see it in a lot more decks and it gives you very very cheap defensive option and so you know i think games tend to go on longer when you've got mm. fury in the environment mm. yeah this is true yeah so, um, so yeah. did you guys see so while you guys were at worlds just over the overall did you think there was like a world meta or was it because of Deathless having to be submitted a week before, was it much more like people had done their own like local meta testing and then brought what they thought was good from? I didn't think there was a world's meta. I thought the world's meta was everyone trying their damnedest. Everyone, like certainly there was a deck, the copy of test type deck. There was a bunch of dragons playing like almost like 99% the same deck like you know good players as well like you saw Anil, um you know kingsley frotop and there was you know a lot of other uh dragon players uh, there that that i pl either played against or watched that were very very strong playing basically the same deck but mm -hmm. apart from that i don't know what your experience was merlin but mine was really varied um i think if you look overall i felt like there was a um there was kind of a melting pot of of decks in the competition. So uh, with regard to Phoenix, I felt like there was three different three different kinds of decks. So I brought Bill Curless Army's um, Phoenix Lion Splash deck, and there were a couple of Lion Splash decks. There was a Dragon Splash deck, and then there was a, a Scorpion Splash deck, which ended up doing very well. Um, but then if you look at other clans, like I, the, you talked about the Scorpion Splash Lion deck, which was crazy. Uh, Pablo's, uh, Pablo's Crab deck, which is getting a whole bunch of attention. Um, what else was weird? Do you want to just weird? touch on what that Pablo deck was? Because I think it made um, top eight, right? Yeah, top eight. Uh, it is... Uh, let me see. It looks like it's a kind of an extreme... Uh, wide board value deck so what he's trying to do seems to be bring out a lot of um, low cost characters from his dynasty and from his conflict side and get benefits out of like cutie labs um, and charging big characters into play rather than pay for them and things like that and what was the splash? it was dragon splash if you can believe it well you can believe it but uh, the strange part about the splash was he was playing uh, three let goes, three hurricane punches, and two tattooed wanderers. And if you go and have a look at the game that was on stream, uh, pretty much the only characters he can play hurricane punches on were uh, keeper initiates and the tattooed wanderers. Uh, so five cards in the whole deck, but manages to pull it off. Yeah, I it's think pretty good, pretty fun to watch keepers being able to recur as well and the speed that you go through your dynasty deck it's just like it's what i like sometimes people figure something out that seems non-intuitive but they figure it out and they bring it to a big event and it does really well and i love i yeah. like seeing that as much okay. as i like seeing the people who have perfected decks and you know are playing at the top deck at the top level of skill you know he's actually I put think... that deck online and he called it um Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the best name. It's the best and then name. the craziest part about that deck is that it had no attack. So it, yeah. it had, had no reprieves. No attachments. No wash command. There's no attachment. Yeah. You know what it's I thought? It's awesome. It's great. You know what I thought was interesting was that um, there are seven cards in here, uh, specifically Tainted Hero, which I think a lot of people thought 
was just kind of junk because the card itself says you can't be declared as an attacker or a defender and then you sacrifice a character to blank this thing's text box which kind of seems kind of seems a bit meh but then if you're just charging this character in then that's fine right like you're you're not actually paying his cost for his ability you're just pay, paying charge for a six strength military which is fantastic it's, it's yeah it's like having six um heater casadas in your deck in terms of like the power of the stat that's coming into your conflict um, yeah um it also makes your raise the alarms like that much because you you now have a one in you know six out of four chance to find just this giant stop their their military challenge against you or when you're attacking yeah it's pretty um, good um yeah that, that, that definitely was awesome there's a he's done a write-up on um five rings db and actually um wardens of the midwest did a really good post worlds write up on sort of the state of the various clans which we should link to in the show notes should we'll link to both though yeah i assume afterwards so crab was... roll just showed that they're they're still a still a force and i already apologized in crab chat but it's just great to see crab is still up they are post worlds that i think they're still one of the stronger clans mate yeah. post worlds new role crab look great <laughs> <laughs> really, really great. Um, looking at some of the matches that happened during that last day and some of the big upsets, is there was this amazing uh, game between... So, obviously, Mind's Desire was one of those players everybody was looking to see what they could do, um, you know, and see if he was going to make it with this dragon deck. He's probably paid 10,000 times. <laughs> um, and he got taken out by a crane as well so two of the most notable dragon players got taken out by cranes which i just find phenomenal yeah we actually were predicting that that was the weaker matchup right like yeah. crane's weak matchup is dragon yeah so a guy That's called strange. yannick richard and i watched a lot of the game and you know the crane dishonored the the um dragon out but like it was a vi well, i presume it was a dishonor victory but it was you know, Anil was sitting on a couple of points of honor for quite a long time, and it was an amazing match. And things just didn't quite go Anil's way, and a few things went Yannick's way. And you know, game. I talked. I actually very briefly. He probably doesn't even remember the interaction, but I very briefly talked to Yannick uh, later on that day, and he's like, he was still bamboozled. He was kind of like, I can't believe I did that, and he got summarily executed by Johnny Shen in the next round his <laughs> Scorpion opponent Johnny Shen went on to, to get second but um, you know it was it was he was saying you know he was done like that was the highlight of his tournament he beat Mind's Desire <laughs> and I kind of like that there's these legends that that happen you know these myths that get built up and you know <laughs> and he just sprinted out of the convention room he wasn't sure what was happening he's like oh my god I've been knocked out I can't believe this my crane but yeah. um you know. <laughs> this is a game where people can just take games off you it's it's kind of brutal sometimes yeah so one other highlight I wanted to um talk about there was a little bit of controversy uh and I thought it's fun to talk about controversy <laughs> so this the, the the Shogun from last year, Samuel Benny's, um, who I got to chat with, um, but he was playing a Scorpion deck and he was playing uh, backhanded compliments. And backhanded compliments, you know, out of Keeper of Earth, there was a few players like Notable Scorpion who chose to go that route and actually went fairly far. Uh, Palumbo, who's fairly well noted, I think he won a Cote before. Um, Atlanta, I think. Yeah, Atlanta. He went, he went very deep as well um with that i think he was he was 5-1 uh, on day one and then he Lose went all into a kneel yep. yeah and then he got out in top uh top 32 so yeah to mm. yeah so that was pretty intense intense match up there but samuel benny's was also playing a scorpion using the old backhanded compliments um right so um that's probably another that's another deck right like we we're talking about melting pots right like i think those guys they were all part of the the sect that was um we should have a keeper role so that we could get access to backhanded compliments because backhanded compliments is a better deck um yeah yeah <laughs> well 
And I'll tell you what. Do you, think, do you think the jury's still out, or do you think the data's in on that one? Like, you're a Scorpion player. I'm, I, I honestly well, want to... I mean, as a Scorpion player, I've always found the Seeker role um, more satisfying. I think there's more play to it. I think the there's a very linear game plan with the Keeper role. However, I could definitely see, you know, if you, if you look at some of the key cards these people playing the Keeper role were doing, they're kind of like trying to go back in time to old 5R with this concept of the Dishonor Bomb, where you're just mm -hmm. trying to like save up a handful of like dirty, dirty dirt and then just yeah. drop it all at once. And they're playing like Guardian Kami's, um, they're playing Displayer Powers, they've got uh, the Seeker of Knowledge, so it's Phoenix Splash. So you just want to like, when your opponent attacks you, you drop half your hand and they go from like seven on it to zero. Uh, so, I mean, I get what they're trying to do. I think it's a less interactive style of gameplay and I kind of thrive on interactivity. I find it's a lot more fun, but I can definitely see there's a lot of strength there. That being said, in a little bit, we'll discuss new roles um, mm. and I'm not convinced that uh, that Keeper's got what it's going to take uh, in terms of being the best Scorpion deck in with the Seeker of Air, Keeper of Earth scenario. But mm -hmm. you know what? There's a lot of inventive players out there. And if there's one thing I learned, wow, like people people are creative and people are competitive. And when you combine those two things, you get some very interesting decks and very interesting games. Mm. So, so what was the what was the controversy though? Okay. Uh, you, for those who weren't watching stream. So the controversy, so we had Johnny Shen playing Scorpion in the semi-final. The Mirror, well, when I say Mirror, they're playing very different decks, but two Scorpion decks playing Samuel Benny's. It's also playing Scorpion. And it was pretty hectic game, uh, and both players were on practically no honor uh, on turn two and three. I think it was turn three where the game ended, um, but it was it wasn't a huge amount of turns. Um, can't remember exactly which turn it was. So Samuel Benny's was, was the first player. Yeah. So Samuel Benny's is the first player, um, and Johnny Shen's got the favor, uh, and he's got a pretty dominating board state. Samuel's board's about to disappear and he's got a couple of points of honor left um like maybe one point of honor left and a couple of dishonored characters a duty will save samuel for this turn so it gets to the end of the turn now the favor is supposed to switch from johnny shen to samuel samuel won enough rings and orchestrated it so he was getting the favor at the end of the turn for some mm -hmm. reason the favor didn't flip but they didn't you know so they didn't catch it neither player caught it so Samuel plays his duty at the end of the turn to uh, make sure that he doesn't die. There's a censure played by Johnny Shen. Uh, and then probably a couple of seconds later, I think Samuel took a second to go, ah, oh, all right, guess he's got it. Looked around, then shook, shook Johnny Shen's hand, conceded, you know, shook his hand, said good game, and then walked off. And then a thousand miles an hour from behind the scenes, we see Kalimsha sprint to the judge. Um, and then there's a few of us who kind of picked it up. But there's a spectator rule where spectators aren't allowed to like talk to... Well, they're not allowed to interact with the table or the game state. They can technically talk to judges. But, you know... So there's a few of us who kind of caught what's going on. Um, you know, the fact that this censure's been illegally played. Uh, but the concession's been made. So anyway, Samuel doesn't realise. He walks off. Eventually, Kalimsha comes up to him, has it, and, and then I think goes, Hey, Samuel, you're still alive, mate. <laughs> um, probably didn't say mate. But, uh, you know, so they have a conversation. They raise it with the judge. The judge goes, Well, game's over. It's going to stand. And Tyler says, Tyler's there. And there was a conversation there. And, you know, he was, I don't, I don't know what he officially said. I won't, <laughs> I won't, let's not cause any extra drama here. But um, anyway, it got, uh, went to the booth production team got involved then a bunch of some sort of escalated ruling happened um, wasn't super obvious how it got resolved um, but uh, what what eventually what happened is the concession stood um, and the game was like Johnny Shen's so it's one of those tricky situations where you know essentially if you can see even if you know there's mistakes have been made um, you know, the concession stood because um, they had packed the cards up. Well, they packed some of the cards up anyway, revealed hands. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those situations where um, you've got like the video ref, you know, the, the yeah. third ref or whatever it is. And um, at the time that it was brought to light that uh, everybody at the table missed missed the sequence of events and and was notified of a misplay, um, it, things have things have moved on, right? So yeah. there's actually no way to get the toothpaste back in the tube as they say so the only thing the only thing that you can do in those kinds of situations is make a ruling you're either going to rule in favor of uh johnny or you're going to rule in favor of samuel uh and in either either case it's a bad it's a bad thing to have happen right nobody wins no matter how you go about it no one's Um, happy that's right, and I mean uh, Johnny's probably a... a little bit happy because he gets to go to the next game. <laughs> but uh... yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a but nobody wants to go to that game yeah. in that way. You know, you want to go clean. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's also important. Uh, yes, you're on stream, and yes, it's a top four, and you've got people watching your game. But you really do need to know your framework steps. Like, like the entire game, they were both playing very methodically. And just in, I, I mean, you guys were there. I was watching on the stream. They just rushed that last. Just the the duty came out. The duty got shown yeah. from hand, and That's like the... everything just kind of just quickly happened. And so, it, rather than go, you know, end of conflict phase. Uh, prior to that, favors decided. Now we're in the fate phase. Um, fate on rings, and then characters with no fate leave play. Um, there was just a bit of a a bit too much rushing i think well it's kind of funny because i think that was the only point in the game where there was any rushing at all that game was very methodical yeah. very thought out by both players yeah but um it's, i think that, it was so i think it's just from a competitive standpoint it's just important to know like to sit down with the rules reference guide and just run yourself through how everything actually happens like yeah. over and over again yeah <laughs> i honestly think that was a case where um cuz Johnny, I'm sure, thought like he, you know, from my, my talking, you know, I don't think there was anything untoward that happened by either player. It was just like, it's one of those things that the judge, like you had, Johnny was a, you had a judge, proactive judge sitting there and he's like towering over the, like leaning over the table, looking at the game state and his only job is to understand the game state. Samuel's there as well and he's deep in concentration trying to figure out if he can pull this out. From the camera we saw he had a few backhanded compliments as well so you know it's it, <laughs> it could have been his game who knows right like understanding what happens after that duty is you know is it's unfortunate it was it was unfortunate way to end that final however it did create an amazing final which is you know eric playing crane versus uh, johnny shen who's known as the one of the master sort of scorpion players um and you know you got to see two people at the top of the game you know square off but it was pretty amazing to see the defending shogun make it all the way through to the center yeah to top, like, to, yeah, to top four right yeah that's pretty that's pretty good yeah it's a long-standing ffg tradition i think that the, uh, the best of the best seem to come back year after year um there's a few notorious netrunner players um and the the leaders designer of Star Wars Destiny he world championships for different LCGs before they decided to hire him as a as a designer because he kept winning all the all the fun well there was a guy it's uh, it a testament to Samuel's skill right like Samuel's yeah. just a very incredible um, and so he deserves to be there Brad Eamon um, got top 16 yeah top <laughs> 16 in uh, uh, L5R this year but he was also playing the joust a got he got to the final he made second yeah. Yeah, world champs came, like yeah came second yeah came awesome. second. that's was amazing like you know that's next level next level shit yeah 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 but as um yeah but there was incredible competition i think one of the comments that merlin and well one of the observations that merlin um toridori and myself kind of looked at was more of our matches were against Hadamotos than weren't. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> How would you uh, describe the field, Merlin? <laughs> uh, day one, day one A is where I played, and I think it was pretty. It was pretty brutal. I think they asked like all the Hadamotos to stand up at the start so they <laughs> they could be like recognised, and like half of the tables <laughs> stood up. It was fucking hilarious. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a really tough field. I ended up facing uh, two Hatamotos and I beat one and was beaten by the other. Yeah, you also had to face Bill Bill Junior, who I don't think is <laughs> yeah. he's not a Hatamoto, I don't think, but he's had no. amazing results on Discord League. Like <laughs> Yeah. That so. that game was that game was really, really tough. I think yeah. I think a combination of luck and a combination of just um, methodical methodical play uh, got me through that game. But that was that was tough. At no point did I actually feel like I was winning until I was on his box, and it was like you know the very last action. What do you got? Yeah. So it was um, Daniel Trujulos who knocked out Bert, who's a Daniel's very very strong dragon player. Um, I managed to beat him in round six uh, purely because I got my consume fires to come at the right time. I had my calling of favors to get rid of reprise. I just had like any answer I need I'm like I need this card oh it's in my hand oh I need this other card oh yep um, I've got a Shigenja fantastic consumed by five fires bye bye board um, and it felt really good that match like I drew three fate worse and deaths you know like <laughs> sometimes sometimes games happen and unfortunately uh, Bert is playing literally exactly the same deck as me like we yeah. submitted the same the deck cat, the cat's out of the bag at that point yeah oh so i mean look we'll let we'll let toridoro you know really get us into the mindset when he comes on next week but you know i'll whet your appetites is uh daniel did play uh mitsu was seven fate <laughs> that's how that game started mitsu was seven fate it was uh, toridoro did you know, say that he's looking for a new card he wants if he got to do a designer card down the track he's going to design consumed by 15 fires <laughs> that's roughly the number of fires you need consumed to be competitive at the moment. <laughs> so that would be that would be unplayable out of Phoenix and only playable out of Scorpion, right? <laughs> Infinitely playable out of Scorpion. Well, hey, can I just say? Can I just say? Something? There is a. Uh, I was uh, going to say something that uh, when Glenn and I were talking yesterday, that I I kind of came to the realization was that if you're playing against Scorpion because Scorpion is so greedy with their fate, right? You, It seems like that's the only matchup where you can actually get a scenario where uh, you, as the opposition to the Scorpion, can be in a situation where you're going to buy a big character with seven or eight fate. And the way, the way it seems to happen is you just go, well, if you're not buying anybody first turn, then I won't buy anybody first turn, and then boom, yeah. we're on like 14 fate next turn. How about that? <laughs> i tell you, you know what. what I mean? Yeah, I think the... Um, the the consumed by five fires, Disco Inferno. That tactic is, I think it's still good, but I think like its day was a day two of World Championships, and if ever one of us was going to make it with that deck, it was going to be that day. I think it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's um that card. Will, I'm sure will will come back and forward, but I think that you need a Voltron meta where and you know where it's happening, and it needs to not be a super common card in the meta. Mm. I was very well, happy with that deck, but you know wasn't our deck. Like it. We might get into it later, but there is there is an answer to that seven faded Mitsu coming yeah. out of Lion Clan coming up. So maybe Bert, maybe, yeah. maybe Bert can rejoin the Lion Clan and play Five Fires out of that. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. All no, right. So, so I mean, it sounds like you guys just had just the best time over there. Um, yeah, and you're yeah, meeting man. new people and stuff. Was there anything other than like jamming the game found like to be a particular highlight? Joe Senses, baby. <laughs> um, it's clearly where everything's happening when L5R is not being played, yeah. So Joe Sensor, that's not a... I thought Joe Sensor, I thought it was like a electronics warehouse or something, but it's a pub, and uh, Joe Sensor is apparently a, a famous footballer, like a NFL American gridiron type game um, in the area, and he there's a pub named after him, and so that was where... It was quite close to the hotel, to the game center, so that's where we all went. Um, and you know that was an American bar, and cornholing was 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 rife. <laughs> Did you get involved corn in the cornholing? No, and and when I was watching it, cornholing is not at all what I expected it to be. <laughs> I thought it'd be a lot more X-rated, but it's just like throwing a yeah. I thought there hole. would be. I thought there would be food involved. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see any corn. <laughs> no, there was no corn. Yeah. So um, handsome Dan from Louisiana, he uh, showed. Uh, Todori had a play, and they had some some <laughs> epic games of cornholing. 
so so you asked about like other highlights so for me the highlights are yes definitely jamming games but also getting together with all of these people that i really only get a chance to see like once a year right once or twice a year um all the people that you know and get to become friends with online um yeah you meet them in person it just kind of deepens all of those relationships it's really good yeah i found the community was amazing um we had some uh pretty hammy um like 1950s style bowling shirts made up with our (laughs) hidden city roller jersey uh, logo and you know names printed on them embroidered on them so you know throughout the convention um you know i had a lot of oh are you the husband of you know the person who does the theme song for the hidden city rollers (laughs) um yeah it was really really cool um and it was you know i felt like there's obviously somebody listening to our podcast because i know i was I was absolutely floored by the number of people that apparently listen to our podcast. So to all of those people, hi. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> Thanks for coming and saying hi. It was really cool. Yeah. And just forgetting about the podcast hoopla, in general, the L5R community was amazingly welcoming to us Aussies. And, you know, I'm sure there was probably many of the other internationals had the same experience and the, you know, Everybody there was so friendly, uh, took us under their wing, uh, took time, you know, got to hang out a lot with the Portland crew. Um, you know, there's Isomalt and Mozzie, and there was a few others there too. And man, it was just, it's like a really fun weekend. Uh, can't recommend enough to anybody if you can get out there. It's huge experience. Um, and there's lots of side events that go on. So like, you know what? If you get knocked out on day 1A or, you know, day one, it doesn't matter. There's so much stuff to do, like so many side events and just everybody's amazing. I just had such a great time and flabbergasted. I've been in a number of different gaming communities in my life and this was definitely, you know, you know, I think it's my favorite. It's got to be my favorite, right? I've yeah, got a man. podcast. <laughs> I've not, uh, I, I haven't developed friendships via any other like social group as, as deeply as i have with l5r right like the people mm. in l5r are just great for some reason don't know why yeah so earlier so, uh, yeah oh, i was just saying like so given all that and you're at worlds and the end of worlds comes and you're you're sitting there and they're gonna announce the new roles what was going through you guys minds when a guy with two microphones is on stand speaking to two microphones the entire time i was just what like was your, what was your thoughts i was like I paid 10 bucks for this like new season three wooden seeker of air roll. Come on, Johnny <laughs> seeker of air. Come on, Johnny seeker of air. <laughs> See, I did, I did the same thing with seeker of void, but guess what? It didn't, didn't work out. Oh no. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I've got a seeker so, of void. So like, you guys want one? So I think, um, <laughs> who, went, who went first? It was, um, so crane, crane yeah, yeah, did the, the bro gun, the bro gun. Crab plays a colonium. Did the, the, <laughs> the legendary thing of uh, not taking Seeker of Void uh, because if Crane took Seeker of Void, there's a very real chance Crab is going to sat on Keeper of Water. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on the new roles? Like, uh, I guess specifically for your guys, how are you feeling about Berlin, why don't Seeker? you go first? Because yours is odd. I think mine was a lot kinder. <laughs> uh, so, I'm not really sure about the phoenix one i think um i think it's it's for a style of play that doesn't really it's not really a style of play that i exercise a whole lot so i think my uh my decks will probably focus on the seeker of air for a while and i guess we'll just i guess we'll just see i think that uh crane were a huge winner out of the role choice and crab were a huge winner out of the role choice is what i'll say about other clans i'll 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 discuss scorpion and then we'll let let um glenn who's chomping at the bit to talk about yeah the crab crab. (laughs) um so for scorpion we got basically we got a role that says we can throw people off bridges like noble sacrifice (laughs) is the realest of real cards like scorpion are just gonna murder people now it's fucked (laughs) (laughs) i i mean i've tried a few different um i mean crane is what i've been practicing with splashing with um and having Soul Beyond Reproach is absurd in Scorpion. Have, see, Knobsacks. So, I mean, I've tried different ratios. 
I mean, the greedy ratio is three knob sacks to um, SBRs, so it'll be on reproach. But I think at the end of the day, the balanced version is two SBR, two knob sack, and two Stewies, Stewie O'Law. Um, and yeah, you just get to throw people off bridges. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I've even tried out, uh, Man- I think it's called Mantis Tekken Ninja. Some card I didn't know it existed. Oh, Mantis Tekken no, Ninja, that's, the, the that's water all locked. No, the C- he's talking about the Seafarer. Ben's Seafarer. Ben's card names. Glenn, you're in the jank. What does that card do? One. Yeah, It's a two cost, two one. It's a Bushi Mantis clan, air all only. Reaction after this character wins a conflict. You lose an honor, but you gain a fate. So it's good for the uh, City of the Open Hand box. I thought yeah. it was three fate. That's no, two. No, no, no. It's two. It's a two it's... It's, and it's a conflict character. That's yeah. a big thing. Um, so that's an interesting card, Ben. To yeah, I didn't consider that card, but that actually might really be good out of Scorpion. I'm experimenting with it. The jury's still out. I'm not convinced yet, but I tell you what, it paid for itself. I got a free follower after two turns, so it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, like I think throwing people off bridges, and if people don't get their reference, just look at the artwork on Noble Sacrifice. People getting thrown off a bridge—that's that's what it's all about. Um, so we're the bridge clan now. Um, all right, how about Crab? Uh, uh, wait, before Crab, what do we what do we think of Dragon and Lion and Unicorn? So Dragon got. Um, I think Dragon are fine. Secret Void. Yeah, I don't know if they've actually so moved up I, or down in position though, right? Oh, I no, think I they're think... no longer god tier. They're, I think they're still very, very strong, but I don't think they're the um, invincibles they once were. Their row is still really good, right? Like their row is yeah. basically one less feast and then another void province. Pilgrimage or something, yeah. still really strong, yeah. Yeah, still really strong, but like, you know, if you had a choice between feast or pilgrimage, you know... <laughs> Melon so and I had a game last night and I was playing Beaten Becoming and Stone of <laughs> Sorrows and and we were just so, both so tired. Um but at the end of the day Melon deprived me of triggering a four fate <laughs> of a four fate Beaten Becoming play says, because I forgot says, that these little bows my good dude when he has the earth ring. Uh, that's so was, amazing. He says but, uh, Merlin, Merlin, just let me get my combo off. Okay, good. <laughs> so the, I love it. But it's not it's not it was a uh, basically Merlin broke two provinces and I did nothing for three turns while I set up the combo. Uh, <laughs> masterpiece. I just, I was just basically like doing solitaire, and Merlin's kind of trying to want an interactive game, and then, <laughs> and then we just got so tired, <laughs> and Merlin deprived me of my, uh, my deck. But so yeah, there's some jank play, basically, is what I'm saying out of that. But, but you, what dragons we now, and it's fine. Uh, what about Lion with the Keeper of Earth? Do you think that's a? I, I don't really know. Uh, I what think to it's make of that role. I mean, I play a lot of Lion. I think it's good that they have a Keeper role still because being able to go really wide with Keeper of... Um, or Keeper Initiates is really important in, you know, part of the Lion Swarm strategy. Earth gives us access to Sabotage, but on the whole, it's fine. I didn't... I wasn't super excited about it, but I'm glad what, that there was a Keeper role. What do you think of the low bid... Like a low bid Lion with... Backhanded compliments. Yeah, because like that seems like a yeah. Anyway, that's there something was a, to keep. That's keep that's something to talk about for another day. But for sure, um, I definitely saw that in in worlds. <laughs> There's definitely a deck doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, unicorns. Think of what's cool that you can run endless plains and uh, along the river of gold. Seeker of water, um, right? Or you could try. To, yeah. Yeah, so you could, or you could try ride in the streets, and they get access to press of battle, which has given me mixed results so far. I think the non-unique clause. It's an interesting card. To have. Yeah, like, non-unique is harsh, and military, yeah. and more participating. Like there's just it's like three <laughs> clauses there. I think I think you'll find actually. I think that that card will actually end up being okay. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty, there's plenty yeah, of really yeah. good non-unique. Well, characters. I guess here's a question for you: How do you find Yuana in Phoenix? Brilliant, like then amazing. Pressive battle. Like, if I mean, pressive battle will no doubt find its place. If if Yuana yeah. is a card that you value, 
then I think you know Yuan is going to be uh, they press a press of battle or whatever it's called will be fine. It's a it's a weird yeah it's a weirdly phrased card. Yeah. I always say I want to say press for battle, but I think it's press of battle. Yeah, it's press to press uh, the, um, It's the type of press that one experiences whilst in battle. Yes. Speaking of battles and, and crab now winning battles, I think uh, Keeper of Water for is just giving them a you know a breath of fresh air. Not to say Pablo's deck didn't already give them, but the sort of Voltron Unicorn Splash deck can kind of really hit hard in the meta again. I think so. Why because is... of card because of fight on? Oh, fight oh yeah, on. because of fight yeah. on. So <laughs> for our a one cost. A one-cost conflict card for Crab that's water roll, um, uh, you know, pay, bring a character that's bowed, or it doesn't have to be bowed, just bring a character, unbow a character and bring them into play on the defense. No, it has to be, has to be bowed. No, it Should doesn't. I've brought, in, I've brought in people that haven't been bowed. It says choose a bowed character you control. Oh, not bowed, sorry. I brought them, I've re-stood them and they're already in the conflict is what I meant to say, sorry. Oh, okay. oh, right. So like, if they feel, if they for shame in the conflict, you can just unbow your guy that's in the conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So it's sort of like, it's like a straighten and a move defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so that I tried you, it out. Yeah. It what would you? How did you find it, Ben? You Mate, you kind of dabbled in it a bit. I, I dabbled in it, and I'm a scrub crab player. They're probably my least played clan, and I just I just made a generic unicorn splash deck that it's been played ten thousand times. But I found, you know, three slots for uh, uh, this fight on card, and it turns out when you've got, you know, a watch commander and you know, couple of couple of spyglasses on a Borderlands defender, and then you bring out a Shrew Jisuki and you give him a similar setup, it's just gross. <laughs> it's just really gross. Like, you know, you drawing cards like no tomorrow. You're bidding one. The opponent can't play anything without losing honor and you're attacking and taking provinces like you're just punishing the opponent for moving like it's how it's in a way it's how i wish scorpion would play just like punishing the opponent for moving but um man it was good very different style though because i'm used to just playing the clans where are very event heavy but obviously crab is extremely attachment heavy but it did feel good to go i can play this card and it can't get cancelled Maybe they've got some attachment hate, but like when I play it right now, it works. <laughs> I felt the, pretty good. Yeah, um, the, the beauty of the the beauty of it is you can also run the Tanjika to discount all these one cost events that crabs seem to run. But you 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 can almost have five unbow effects in your conflict. Um, it just it just fills that gap that crab were missing, where like a Kachika or a Kanjo district kind of just ruined your game. Um, or if, even a fate worse than death right but now with fight on you kind of you have a counter to it you just go like nah okay you did it you spent four fates you triggered your kanjo for the turn I'm just going to bring them back in yeah. um, and draw two cards while doing it and now you still have to lose an honor each time you um, so I think it's really good and I'm looking forward to see where crab goes moving forward alright so I think to round out that conversation just touching very briefly on Crane, which didn't touch. They've now got Feast or Famine available to them, and Magistrate Station gives them a fate. That feels mm. good. Um, obviously, we need to. Yeah. Obviously, I think we're gonna wait to see how the new um, restricted list. Where that I think that'll come out in the next week or two. Um, when that drops, to see, you know, how how to construct that deck. But at uh, face I value, think, ha having Magistrate. Yeah. Sorry. I think like well, I've been playing it a bit, and I think the librarian is a really cool card. So, do you want to remind um, players about these non-played cards? What? Okay, sure. <laughs> Sorry, it's because I, I play with them. It's like the Imperial Librarian is a two for two to two courtier that uh, is Imperial and Scholar as well, and each character gets one plus one glory. So, if you dishonor anyone. Uh, if you if you dishonor any of the opponent's characters, they're now got an extra negative one on them. And Crane, being the clan that honors their characters, if you have an honored character, they've now got a plus, an extra plus one, on top of the glory. You know, on top of the their just base 
its glory. So maybe Boom. Game of Sadni from the honor of um, because you've got to remember that Crane going for Seeker of Fire now have to give up Soul Beyond Reproach because that's an air roll only. Um, and so then the stopgap there is this new card that Ben kind of laughed at me the other day because I played it. Uh, it's called Icon of Fame, which is a, I think it's a zero. I think it's a one cost attack. Uh, I think it could be zero. It's like a zero, zero, zero. Hey, it worked, man. You, uh, yeah, it's like when you win the Fire Ring, which as a crane player you, you want to go for anyways, um, You the character gets honored that you've attached that attachment to. Um, and if you have the favor, they have plus one glories. So, yeah, it seems like a really, really strong deck with just a few minor changes. Um, I cut Nirishima for the Librarian, and that felt just 100% fine. Cool. All right. So, um, just we've only a little bit of time left. Uh, let's quickly maybe a select. There's been a few spoilers that have come out. Maybe just a few selected ones we could quickly talk about. I think the line one is the one that everybody wants to talk about, right? Fires of Justice. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. seems good. <laughs> so for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it was uh, like a French, I think, or some French. Some foreign, yeah, yeah, French. Yeah, French spoilers. French one. And anyway, it's a uh, Fires of Justice is a Lion Clan event. Cost two fate. So you go and struth two fate. This better do something, you know, pretty special. Uh, two influence it's void roll locked so straight away you're thinking void roll locked cost two fate this must be the most amazing event in the world turns out it's pretty damn good so reaction after you win a question mark conflict and given that it's a lion card I'm going to guess it's military but we don't know um, your opponent chooses a participating character he or she controls select one either remove all fate from that character or move any fate from your opponent's fate pool onto that character so i mean you know you can potentially move you know 20 fate from this from johnny shen's fate pool onto <laughs> onto one of his ways onto the meek informant onto the, yeah, onto, the, <laughs> onto the meek informant onto the you know the wastrel <laughs> what are people's thoughts seems good right it seems pretty good. I mean, the cost I think is appropriate to fate for that effect, and what it I think what it means is that people will think a lot harder about uh, pokes and things like that if they feel like the opponent's on dragon splash. So your big attacks are kind of in danger because your big character is going to have all the fate removed from it, uh, and your your small attacks, your pokes are going to be in danger because they're going to take all the fate from your fate pool. Uh, sorry, remind me again though, does it say like your opponent gets to choose a character? Yeah, your opponent chooses a participating character. So they have can, to... Can he choose your character? It's a book, or they have to attack. Hmm. He anyway. or she controls. Your opponent chooses yeah, okay. a participating character, he or she controls. Yeah, so uh, while I'm not entirely sure what the optimal play for that card is, I feel like um, it's it's a pretty good card. You run it with Embrace the Void. Um, and yeah. then if it's a non-unique, you can kind of twist it off afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hold on. So that would be Lion Splashing Phoenix. Because I guess there's only two Void rolls out there at the moment, right? There's the Lion Seeker of Lion. Void mm -hmm. and Dragon Seeker of Void. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So we'll just do... Is there any other that you guys wanted to touch? Otherwise, we could do maybe one more. I like, um, I like, I really like the crab card as well. The Hida Yakumo. Uh, do we know what he's he a does? Four cost four two. Oh. Yeah, he's a four cost four two Bushi Berserker Duelist. Um, he's a unique character. If you are less honorable than, than an, this character does not bow as a result of military conflict resolution, and he cannot lose jewels. Yeah, that second part about cannot lose jewels, I was a bit confused about. How do you reckon that works? No, so this character is not the loser of the jewel. It has, like, reminder tech. But the character of its opponent stays the winner of the jewel. So, like, Game of Sedan, right, it, it wouldn't, it would honor the, the crane, like, it would honor the character, but it wouldn't dishonor uh, him, if that makes sense. Yeah, so How does that affect policy debate? Uh... 
I, mm. I haven't read Pulsive in a while. We, we'd have to look into that. But, it, but with all these jewels coming out, I think it's a really cool way. Like Retsugu, for instance. Like Retsugu can't kill this. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, and he doesn't bow. So, like, it's just like more of this Berserker. Like, Berserker theme is getting there in Crab. It's like, dude, just he's, a, he's a duelist. You could play, like, Crab Test of Skill. What are you doing, and Glenn? I'm doing your job for you. Jewel- yeah. No, you can't. You can't do the job for me. Uh-huh. You can't do this. <laughs> I've got policy debate up here. I've got policy debate up here. It says, oh, yeah? so the controller of the losing character reveals his or her hand. That player's opponent chooses and discards one card from it. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's no losing. He's not a losing character. Yeah. So there's so no... It doesn't... Yeah. doesn't so he's he's immune to policy debates. Immune to policy debate. Hot dog. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. So, All right. So there's some exciting new cards coming out. I'm really looking forward to this Child, the Empire. Oh, uh, yeah. Set. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you what, there's a lot of excitement about the game at the moment. I think that's really good to see. Um, yeah. So I think that um, last thing we can really touch on is just, uh, just around... I guess there's some new news that's come out the way events are going to be structured. I think next podcast we might go into detail about yeah. these news events because it's quite a complicated subject. There's, yeah, it's a bit of a lengthy discussion. Yeah, there's different layers, etc. I guess the one weird change um, is that Cotes no longer, normal Cotes no longer have winners, which is, and they're one day, which I think is a real detriment to the tournament scene. Um, I'm hoping that that changes because. I think Cotes have been a great, um, you know, they've been very successful, you know, this this last year, and I think there's something that people travel for. Um, you know, the two day format makes it fun and exciting to travel for. Um, having them one day means they're more like just local events. They're just bigger they're like local events. Pre- yeah, they're like premier level events, but they're not. It seems like they're not. The, the cuts for L5R have always been very elite, right? Like it's a top 16 kind yeah. of cut for big tournaments. So they're very elite cuts. This seems to be a relaxing on that sort of thing. Now, instead of instead of being an elite cut, it's a, you know, more inclusive. Everybody that makes a certain record gets these prizes and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And look, I, I like how they structured them last year where they're two days and if you don't make the cut, you still can collect a bunch of awesome prizes by playing in the Proving Grounds, and it's probably a more relaxed tournament. So, but, you know, I guess mileage may vary, but I'm. this is the one thing, like there's so much positive news coming out about Legend of the Five Rings at the moment. Worlds definitely showed the, Mary's, the meta is varied, and that will continue to be the case. Children of the Emperor is looking to just have all sorts of new stuff. Apparently the False Rings are back whatever that means and you know there's so much going on so many new cards um tyler i got to briefly very very briefly chat with him but you know i think that if we see the effect of his design it's been fantastic and you know locally i think you know here in melbourne we've still got a pretty healthy scene and you know it seemed like if anything the game's growing um hopefully this one little bit will just um you know they'll fix this but that's 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 my perspective anyway. I'm not saying it's everybody's. Cool. Any final thoughts, some, fellas? Some good insight. Uh, I was like, I was just holding myself back. I was like, I will, I will delve into this next time. Yeah. So I think, uh, uh, I think it's just, I think 2019 OP for on the whole is exciting, and what they're offering is pretty cool. It's just we can talk about it another time, but just the way they're structuring it and also how it works in Australia as opposed to the US and UK um, makes it a lot more challenging here uh, because unlike the US and the UK who go through Cascade Games and uh, Asmodi UK, uh, we require stores to request um, so a TO can't request a kit, it has to be a store Um, and that means that unfortunately no store has wanted to take on the challenge or the risk, I guess, of running uh, a Kotai here in Australia for next year. Uh, but we're hoping that will change the next week or so as we behind the scenes 
desperately try to, to convince. Is that just Melbourne or or nationally? Uh, so far, no store in Australia has requested a Kotai. So, well, we're trying to work on that. Yeah. Be positive. This podcast is a positive podcast, not a negative one. So we are. <laughs> no, but I mean, news positivity. Is... <laughs> Sorry to break the news. <laughs> yeah, I thought you knew Merlin, but yeah, so we're, we're uh, behind the scenes. Look, right. there is heaps going on, and you know, we we try to keep our episodes tightish, so you're not listening to us babble for so long. Um, there's heaps we didn't cover uh, today, but next week we will be. So you got two episodes today because you got the massive mega legend of the way too many podcasts that that i popped up this morning <laughs> and in a in an hour or so's time you're, you're going to get this episode so enjoy the two episodes today and then uh, in less than a week you'll get another one and we might just have a very special guest on next week so stay tuned for that um and until then this has been the hidden city roller derby we love you